Hello and welcome to the next episode of How Good It Is, the show that takes a closer look at songs from the rock and roll era and we check out some of the stories behind those songs and the artists who made them famous. My name is Claude Cole and I'm socially distant, but that's my usual shtick, so it's no wonder I have a solo podcast. Remember to check out the website, howgooditis.com, and the Twitter, and the Instagram, and of course, the old Facebook page, which you can find over at facebook.com slash ow, how good it is pod. Here's some trivia for you today. Now, most everybody knows that model Patty Boyd was the inspiration for a bunch of popular songs, and if you don't, well, I guess you'll learn about it in a future episode. Uh, But among her siblings, Patty has a sister named Jenny, and Jenny, as it turns out, also inspired a hit song, which went to number five in the UK and to number 26 in the United States. What song did Jenny Boyd inspire? I will have the answer to that question near the end of the show. So I was originally going to talk about exclusively the Go-Go's first big hit, Our Lips Are Sealed, but I kept finding myself coming back around to their other first hit. Uh, We got the beat. So I said, well, why not talk about both of them? Because that's how much I like you. Bonus material everywhere. So let's first turn the clock back to 1978. Because while most people think of the Go-Go's as an 80s girl group, the band really got their start during that year in Los Angeles. And at that time, they had a slightly different lineup and a very different sound. The first lineup of the Go-Go's was Belinda Carlisle on vocals, Jane Wheedlin uh, playing guitar, Margot Oliveria on bass, and Alyssa Bello playing the drums. And they were a pretty solid staple of the L.A. punk music scene. Later, in 1978, Charlotte Caffey joined the group, adding another guitar and keyboards. And by the following summer, Gina Schock had replaced Alyssa Bello on the drums. Now, in 1979, this lineup put together a five-song demo record, and they followed it up with a tour supporting the band Madness, which was also still up and coming. It was because of this tour that they spent a lot of time touring... Uh, England. Uh, and, and the fan base really managed to grow in the UK when We Got the Beat got released as a single over there. It wasn't a big hit, but it did pick up some some listeners. And But here's the thing. A five-track album isn't going to fly in the United States, but in England, you can call it an EP and let it out there. And so this demo version of We Got the Beat started gaining sales over there and eventually made it back to this side of the Atlantic as an import single. It doesn't have that drumming intro, and the guitar is a little bit more subdued. Plus, you don't have Belinda Carlisle doing that dopey chant during the bridge. But for my money, it's the superior version. Now, once again, maybe that's because this was my entry to the Go-Go's, and I heard this one first. But I, I think I like that that slightly punky edge they still had at that at this point. But I will give you this, that drumming intro makes it pretty instantly recognizable, and the addition of piano is a subtle underline to the guitar. The 
Charlotte Caffey wrote the song, thinking it would be a kind of echo to Smokey Robinson's Going to a Go-Go. She was drawing on the old Motown beats and thought it would be amusing to work out Going to a Go-Go as a cover song, especially since it was a song that mentioned the name of the band. So while she listened to Smokey's song repeatedly, the song that she ultimately wrote doesn't really sound a lot like it, but it pretty much became the band's signature tune. All right, I'm going to turn away from We Got the Beat for now, but I will come back to it soon. Now, at the end of 1980, Margot Oliveria, the bass player, fell ill with hepatitis. Um, the rest of the band was starting to break away from Oliveria anyway because she didn't really like the direction that they were taking, so they used the illness as a reason to replace her with Kathy Valentine. Valentine wasn't really a bass player. She was a guitar player, but not so much with the bass. But then again, most of the band weren't especially experienced musicians either when they started out. Early in 1981, they signed with IRS Records and they recorded their first album for that label, Beauty and the Beat. They recorded a bunch of songs, including a redo of We Got the Beat, probably to make it a little bit more poppy and probably so they wouldn't have to pay Oliveria for her work on the demo slash import version. Now, around 1980, guitarist Jane Weedlin was dating British musician Terry Hall, who at the time was the lead singer of the specials and later on he sang with Fun Boy 3. Remember that part. As Weedlin explained in an interview with songfacts.com, the Go-Go's were playing at the Whiskey on Sunset Strip and the specials were in town from England. So they liked the Go-Go's enough that they were asked to be the opening act for the specials upcoming tour. During the tour, a little romance sprung up and that's where things got a little bit complicated because you see... Uh, Terry Hall was already in a relationship with someone back in England, and apparently there was some talk about them getting married and such. In retrospect, of course, Weedland sees the callow 20-year-old she was and how it turned into a lot of drama with sad correspondence and such. rate, at some point, Hall sent Weedlin the lyrics to Our Lips Are Sealed, and it was pretty clear to her that what he had written was about their relationship. So she finished the lyrics, and she wrote some music to it, and as she says, the rest is history. Now, the bridge for Our Lips Are Sealed was sung by Jane Weedlin, and I'm sure you'd agree it's a really sweet sound. Weedlin campaigned to sing lead for the band more often, but she was frequently rebuffed by other band members, and ultimately it's what led her to leave the group in 1985 to strike out on her own as a solo artist. The video for the song was financed by leftover money from the budget for videos by the police, and coincidentally it was directed by Derek Burbridge, who directed the police's videos around then as well. There's no real story attached to the video, partially because the budget was so low. It alternates between the band playing the song in what appears to be a small club, interspersed with shots of them cruising around Los Angeles in a Buick convertible. At one point, Belinda Carlisle, who's driving, parks the car in front of a lingerie store, and the girls pile out, leaving Jane Wheedlin alone in the car to sing her part.
After that bridge, we see the band cavorting in a public fountain instead of driving around, and we still see shots of them playing in the club. Our Lips Are Sealed was selected as both the opening track to Beauty and the Beat and the first single from that album, and a successful single it was, making it to number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100, number 10 on the U.S. dance charts, and a top five single in Canada and Australia. It didn't do as well in the U.K., peaking at uh, number 47, but from a charting standpoint, that was better than the original We Got the Beat release. Alex Cecile also had a long life on the Billboard chart, spending a total of 30 weeks on the Hot 100. That sounds kind of unusual nowadays, and nowadays it is unusual, but the early 80s had a bunch of songs that managed to linger on the charts for inordinate amounts of time. And for example, Soft Cell's Tainted Love hung around for 43 weeks that same year. Now, these numbers have long been surpassed by other artists, but I'm pretty sure that longevity on the charts isn't nearly as common as it used to be. All right, let me come back to We Got the Beat. As I just mentioned, Our Lips Are Sealed spent a long time on the chart, long enough that it was still charting when the re-recorded version of We Got the Beat was released as a single in January of 1982. We Got the Beat ultimately spent three weeks at number two, held out of the top spot by Joan Jett's I Love Rock and Roll. Now, oddly, this is the audio from the official video for the song. It's a live performance that the Go-Go's did at Palos Verdes High School in California. At any rate, We Got the Beat was ultimately the band's biggest hit. And one final note about the two songs together. On November 14th, 1981, the Go-Go's were one of two musical guests on Saturday Night Live, and during that show they played both Our Lips Are Sealed and We Got the Beat separately. Uh, now, the Go-Go's were known to imbibe a few uh, adult beverages uh, before most of their performances, but if you can find the video for this performance online, it's a little tough, but it can be done, and I'm not linking to it because clearly it's yeah, extra legal. You'll see that there's clearly something off about their performance. To me, they seem off speed, they, like they're playing slow. But whatever it is, there isn't much doubt that the earlier drinking eh, kind of caught up with them. Now in 2004, sisters Hillary and Haley Duff recorded a, ver a cover for the soundtrack to the film, A Cinderella Story, in which Hillary starred. I don't know that they're bringing a lot to the table here, but I do like the guitar work. And the video is clearly homage to the Go-Go's and that the Duff sisters are again seen tooling around in a convertible, which is interspersed with close-ups of them singing and a few shots from the movie. And, and it ends up with them cavorting in a fountain, although in this case, soap bubbles have been added to the water. Alright, and finally, let me leave you with this cover version. 
is from 1982, and it's Fun Boy 3 recording, with the song's other writer Terry Hall singing lead and June Miles Kingston providing drums and backup vocals. This version did better in the UK, making it to number seven, and so far as I know, it didn't chart in the United States. Now it is time to answer today's trivia question. Back on page two, I asked about the song that was inspired by Patty Boyd's sister, Jenny. I feel, kind of feel like this one was maybe a little obvious, but maybe not. Jennifer Juniper was written by Donovan about Jenny Boyd while she was in the middle of recovering from a heroin overdose. He wrote it just before they departed, along with the Beatles, to Rishikesh. Den- Donovan, rather, and Jenny never had a romantic relationship, probably because of her on-again, off-again relationship with Mick Fleetwood, although Donovan later admitted that he did have a little crush on her. The last verse of the song is sung in French, but it's pretty clear that Donovan wasn't a French speaker, so that was a little experiment he didn't try again. And finally, why Jennifer Juniper? Well, Juniper was the name of a boutique she ran simple as that. And that's a full lid on another edition of How Good It Is. If you are enjoying the show, please take the time to share it with someone and maybe leave a rating somewhere. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can email me at howgoodpodcast at gmail.com or you can follow the show on Twitter or Instagram at howgooditis. You can also visit, like, and follow the show uh, Facebook page at facebook.com slash howgooditispod or you can check out the show's website howgooditis.com where you might find a few extra bits. Thanks as usual to Podcast Republic for featuring the show and next time around we're going to find out how good it is when you feel like I do. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. <laughs>